Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, relationships, and money. Join me as together we question, explore, and strive to understand. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. Today, my guest is Jocelyn Silva. Jocelyn has been a sex educator for 10 years, primarily focusing her attention on queer and transgender people's sexual expression. She also discusses women and femicentered queens, LGBTQ empowered, healing trauma, body image, meditation and spirituality, libido awakening and pleasure-based practice. Welcome, Jocelyn. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to learn about a lot of these things. I'm guessing there's a lot of things in the um, introduction there that some people might not know what some of them Mm -hmm. are, Mm -hmm. like pleasure-based practice, libido awakening. I mean, that gives us some clues, but femme of scented queens, that's one that I'm not familiar with. But before we get into it, how are Mm -hmm. you? I am doing so great. Um, Like I said before, I am just like soaking in this energy after this like great conjunction winter solstice, just like, oh, just feeling so good. Feeling ready to end the year strong, feeling ready to start the year strong. I'm, I'm fucking feeling awesome today. Thank you for asking. That is a a good place to be. That is a good place to be. I'm glad. Mm -hmm. So before we get into some of these things that we're just going to learn about, Can you share a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you ended up to doing this work? Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Jocelyn. My pronouns are she, hers. And as you said, I became um, an educator 10 years ago, but really my journey started like when I was a child. So I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California of immigrant parents. My mom is from El Salvador. My dad's from Mexico. And um, grew up in a pretty conservative household. Uh, what I mean by that is my mom was really religious. I went to Catholic school, kinder through 12th grade. And um, as we all know, Catholicism isn't very positive. So I grew up with a lot of shame and guilt around my sexual expl- ex- expression. It got pretty bad, actually. Like, I wanted to be a nun when I was 16. I got to a point where, like, I was going to confession once a week because I was I was like so convinced that I was going to go to hell if I like didn't confess up to like my sins of like hooking up with my boyfriend at the time, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and also spent my junior and senior year like eating lunch in the chapel at school because I was so scared that I was going to sin. I was literally petrified of sinning and my sexual expression, which was a really big part of that. Mm -hmm. So as I got older and I started exploring myself sexually and kind of drifted away from the Catholic church. I realized how embedded this shame and guilt around sexuality is in culture, right? In Latin culture, but also just like in culture in general, especially being a woman, we're not mm-hmm. taught to own our sexualities. We're not taught to talk about them. We're not taught to experience pleasure, right? In mm-hmm. and out of the bedroom, really. It's not just sex. So um, through that, I became very passionate about spreading the good word on the importance of being sexually empowered and owning up to your pleasure and really knowing that you are worthy and deserving of pleasure, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. Wow. So really this experience just really set you on a journey. Yeah, definitely. It's been a long journey. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So we're talking about this episode Mm -hmm. together. You mentioned the idea that some people feel that if you're sexually empowered, 
you don't mm-hmm. have a relationship with God. And I think that's a really interesting observation. Obviously, you went through this or, you know, I, I can't even imagine the, the panic you must feeling if you're eating, you know, lunch by yourself and, and I guess freaking out is freaking out the right word about Oh, yeah, totally about freaking out. I was yeah. like, if I die, I will not go to hell. Totally yeah, freak right. out. So two questions then. Uh, definitely, I, I, want, I want to learn about their relationship with God and what that plays in it. But also, mm-hmm. like, how did, you, how did you kind of realize, how did you cross the point of like, hang on, let me think about this a little bit harder. Uh, you know, I'm freaking out because of this is what I've been brought up with. But how did you get to the switch of going, this is not working for me? That's an amazing question. I'll say this. It wasn't an overnight process. Like I said, I was very Catholic. Like I wanted to be a nun. I was going to church. And so the idea of not going to church anymore, the idea of losing this connection, not just with the church, like me physically going to a church, but also my church community and like, what will they say? Mm -hmm. And like, what will God think of me? It was really like a good three years of absolute emotional turmoil of like, what am I? Who do, what do I believe in? What do I think? And around this time, my relationship with my mom was like horrible because she was so disappointed in me for not going to church with her. And, you know, because I've become this person that she just didn't recognize. Right. It was really hard. And I think the moment I realized it wasn't working for me was the first time I had penetrative sex with my boyfriend. He lit candles and incense. And like, at the time I was into goth. So he would like, started playing Bauhaus and like was very like gentle and kind and sweet. And the sex was horrible. Don't get me wrong. You know, it was the first time. Fucking sucked. <laughs> but the experience was beautiful. And right. I remember just thinking like, how can this be bad? I don't understand. Um, I'm with my boyfriend. We're safe. We're using condoms. We love each other. Like what gives, you know what I mean? Like what, what's going on? So that's, right. I think really when I started questioning my my faith. But I do want to say that just because I'm not Catholic doesn't mean I don't have a relationship with the higher power because I I do. It just, it's not rooted in Christianity like it used to be. Right. Right. And so do you still go to church now? Can like, can you still go to church and and feel all these things? I mean, obviously you can, but I'm just asking personally about your journey and then, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And still kind of live this life that you're living now. So I don't go to church. I don't believe in organized religion Mm -hmm. or people telling me what to do Mm -hmm. in my life. (laughs) That's fair. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't go to church. However, I do believe that you can definitely be a sexually empowered individual and be Christian and be Jewish and be Buddhist and be whatever religion it is that you decide to identify with. I think at the end of the day, it's really important to understand the convictions that you have and are they because someone else told you to have them or are they because you yourself have chosen to believe them to be true? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually have a client right now who is really struggling with her faith. And she says, it's weird. It's like when we started talking together, it was like this textbook of like, well, this is a sin and I'm going to go to hell. And like in the Bible, it says, and I had to like stop her and be like, I want, I want you to listen to your inner voice. What do you believe is true? Mm-hmm. And she couldn't even answer. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like a big breakthrough for her. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for us to come to our beliefs as people. And that's a scary thing to do, but that is where the true liberation exists. 
Yeah. And I think, like you said, a lot of people haven't exercised that muscle. So they literally do not know how to think for themselves because everything's been fed to them. And in a way, that's a really, like you said, a really liberating place to be, to have that realization and go, wow, hang on, I can, I can write my own book, you know, and doesn't mean I can't take great things from my culture and my religion and whatever else I've had, but I get to write my own book. But it's also scary because it's like, hang on, I've never done this before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is really scary. And especially if you don't have a guide, especially if you don't have an example of what it can look like, you can feel very lost. It can feel lonely, but there is support out there. And mm-hmm. I am a testament to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let, let's talk about that because I feel like that, that period of time when you're like, I just feel really lost. And I'm, I, I, you know, I'm not sure, like you said, I, I mean, I'm, I wonder if the religious community or church community would be supportive of this growth or mm. not so supportive. I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, I'm hoping it would be supportive. Um, and I'm hoping that, that there would be people that are kind of waking up to question, you know, question everything really. That, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's such an important part of growth. But what happens if we find ourselves in a position where that's not happening and we're not feeling supported? What's an alternative for us? Well, I think before I answer that question, it's important to acknowledge the fact that sexual disempowerment is how religion and governments keep people oppressed. Sexual repression is how we get to become manipulated and controlled. And I truly believe this to be true. Because a sexually empowered person, my, this is what I believe, once you've been able to fully express yourself in the bedroom, have no fears, establish your boundaries, say your needs, and really hold true to those convictions that you are worthy and deserving of pleasure and that like you have the right to say all these things, tackling other aspects of your life becomes easier. I always say, once you become a sexually empowered person, you are literally breaking chains of not just your own fears and your own impulsions to be small because you've been taught that from a child, but this is ancestral. This is historical. It's not just you. You're you're carrying the weight of all the ancestors that came before you mm-hmm. and their sexual repression and their sexual oppression, right? Mm-hmm. Because of colonialism, because of racism, because of all these other um, societal factors, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, a, oh, you, you, you have this problem. This is like a worldwide issue, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I think that in order for religion and governments to keep their power, it's in their interest to keep individuals sexually disempowered. So no, I don't think it's something that is accepted, but we are making huge strides. The Pope actually said a few weeks ago that LGBTQIA individuals can definitely adopt children. Like he was like Catholic Pope approved. And it was like, that's kind of cool, you know? So I think we are moving in like the right direction, Mm -hmm. but the way that I practice my coaching with my clients is very centered on you, right? Like, what do you choose to be true? What do you believe to be true? Mm -hmm. And not so much in this noise that's coming at you, telling you what you should believe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. A story comes to mind, a, a person I used to play in a band with, he was married and his wife was very religious. And he was telling me that 
I don't know how it came about. We were having quite a, we call it DNM here in Australia. It's called Deep and Meaningful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what the, <laughs> maybe it's heart to heart in the States. <laughs> oh, Deep and Meaningful? Deep and Meaningful, DNM. <laughs> Oh, that's but, funny. Yeah, we call it heart to hearts. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> we were having a DM and he um, mentioned that he was, I don't know, we were talking about sex and he said, yeah, he goes, it's really tough for me. And I said, oh, what, what's going on? And he said, I can't have sex with my wife because she's, oh, God is always in the bedroom and she's so, um, she can't be free. She can't be free. And it's getting in the, in the way of our marriage. And he goes, I'm married. I'm not sleeping with anybody else. Like it's, so he said, it's, you know, it's a really big issue. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even, I mean, I wasn't brought up in a religious family. So I never had any of that growing up. And so I was like, this was kind of the first time I'd been introduced to it. And it was such a huge thing. And he was, yeah, the way he was talking about it was it just held her back so much. And actually I never heard the end of that story. We never really spoke about it again. So I don't know how that got sorted, but I just, I really felt for her in that moment thinking I couldn't imagine that sex is just such a healing, such a healing act with, and especially mm-hmm. with someone you love, it's like such an incredible space to be in with some, another person mm-hmm. and to, to not be able to fully uh, express yourself and be in the moment. That's, that's what comes to me. It's like when you're repressed, you're somewhere else you're not in that moment and enjoying that intense, incredible pleasure, which is so incredibly healing. How can it not be healing? It's, you know, it's just, it's so good for you. It's so good for so many reasons. And now we know with studies and stuff that it is actually really good for your health and your immune system and, mm-hmm. and all of these things. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know, I'm just, it kind of astounds me how strongly rooted it is that people mm-hmm. are repressed and, and not enjoying this. So, uh, you know, Thank you so much for being out there and helping people because I know that it's so um, damaging to their own connection with their sexual health. And I, I am aware of people that have only had one sexual partner or, or never had an orgasm. I know a 16-year-old woman who's never had an orgasm. She's only had one sexual partner and never had an orgasm. And I just couldn't imagine that. And, you know, let's say, let's say someone finds themselves in a position where they are, you know, post 40 and, mm-hmm. and they're wanting to get back into that connection. I feel like there, there's so many more layers there. Yeah. So many more layers because it's like, yes, I want to work on this, but then there's just, you know, there's the shame and all of the other layers of emotion. But there's also like the intense fear of like, I've actually never yeah. done this before. I've actually yeah. never had this experience before. And I'm a lot older now. So I'm a lot more cautious about kind of everything, I guess. You know, I, I don't know if that statement's necessarily true for everybody, but I, um, I, I've noticed that a lot of people find a lot more cautious in a lot of their behaviors. So, um, yeah, like how, 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 first of all, how does that, again, I'm interested in that small moment that people kind of make the realization and then take action to, to make change. Mm -hmm. Is there any kind of advice or anything you could offer there? Yeah. Well, before I offer that advice, I wanted to address what you were talking about in like people in their older age and like what comes up for them. I think, um, there have been a handful of pivotal moments in my life as a sex educator that really just kind of like, I felt was the universe screaming at me, like, you need to become a sex coach and like help people out because this is like a real issue. I was working at an adult store for about four years and this woman came in and she was a Spanish speaking woman. And so I speak Spanish and I was like helping her out or looking around and she was telling me how she just got this new boyfriend and he's super sexually active and she wants to like keep up with him. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll help you out. I mean, she, she had, she had to be in like her late fifties, early sixties. And so we started kind of like looking around and 
I started talking to her and um, I was like, okay, well, what do you have in mind? And then she was like, I don't know, like just something that's going to get me going. And I was like, okay, well, do you want to try like a clitoral cream? And she's like, sure. So I was showing her the clitoral creams and then I was explaining like, this is what a clitoral cream does, et cetera, et cetera. And then she was like, what's that word you keep saying? And I was like, uh, I was like, what word? And she's like, that word. And I was like, cream. <laughs> and she was like, no, that word that you like, like, what is that? And I was like, clitoris. And she's like, yeah, what is that? And I just, I looked at her. I was like, you don't know what a clitoris is. And she's like, no. And I like took a deep breath and I was like, okay, well, let me show you. So I took out my vulva puppet and I was like, this is what a clitoris is. You know, it's your BFF, five to 8,000 nerve endings. It's located here, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I, I never heard of that. Wow. And I was like, okay. So then I said, take the cream, mm-hmm. put it on this, on this part of your body and just like, try it out. And she's like, okay. So she like purchased it and left. And I went to the back and I just started crying because I just couldn't believe that I had just explained a clitoris to a woman over 50. It was Mm -hmm. like this shocking moment of like, you don't know your own body. Mm -hmm. And it just, the moments like that are just confirmation that the world needs spaces that are available for people to explore themselves, Mm -hmm. to ask the questions, to get to know themselves on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And just to know like this life is so beautiful in so many ways. And one of the beauties of this life is this physical body that we've been gifted. So why not like take advantage of everything that it offers us, Mm -hmm. um, sexuality included, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. And yeah, that fear is real. That fear that you're talking about is definitely real. And I think the last few years of my life, I've really um, worked on developing a different relationship with fear that is not rooted in you have a say in what I do in my life, but rather I see you and I feel you, but I'm not going to listen to you. And I'm Mm. still going to do this because I know I have to. And so the words that changed my life forever, and I tell my clients this all the time is feel the fear and do it anyway, Mm -hmm. because you're never going to be bulletproof and you deserve it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this, I think, and so, so now what you were saying about the space between when people are ready, I think is, I think it's a few things. What I often hear from a lot of folks that I speak to is everyone around me talks about this orgasm and I have never experienced it. Or um, they read an article that they find interesting and they're like, oh, like, what is that? And I think that people can only fake so much to, to the point where they realize, like, I actually want to experience pleasure. I actually want to know what this is all about because mm-hmm. what, what's the hoopla? You know, like everyone's talking about it. I don't know what they're talking about. And I think that there comes a certain point in people's lives where they're like, I'm ready to tackle this head on. And I think there's also um, a realization that sexuality is actually really important in people's lives. And so relationships with partners can start to deteriorate when there is no real healthy communication around sex or no sex at all. Mm -hmm. And really because when you're not listening to your body, there's a disconnection with yourself that can cause other problems in life, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we... Uh, lose our integrity. That's how we lose our sense of self and our identity. So sex is not just about sex. It's a very loaded topic. It involves a lot of who we are as people. Mm -hmm. 
I 100% agree with that. Mm. I'm like, uh, you know, I, I say to my friends all the time, sex is so important to me and it's so important that I connect sexually with somebody in a relationship because, I mean, obviously there's the oxytocin bond, but even before that, there's like, you know, it's that space for me anyway, this is how I choose to have my relationships at this point in time is like just with one person. So it's like, I don't know, I, I don't have that intimacy in that moment with anybody else. So it, it's a really special place. It's a really sacred mm. place. And it's a really, it's a beautiful, beautiful space. And, you know, I just want to point out as well that um, I've had a lot of sexual experiences where I didn't feel safe or I couldn't orgasm. And it was, and sometimes it was because, and when I feel safe, I, I mean, I didn't feel in danger. I just didn't feel relaxed enough to orgasm. And I know it was in my head. And then, the, and I was like, I kept judging myself and thinking, oh, there's something wrong with me. But the more I just relaxed and let myself go into it, you know, and, and didn't put emphasis on it as well. That was a big thing for me. You know, I feel like there's so much emphasis about orgasming or coming in sex. And it's like, it, sex for me anyway, is so enjoyable even without that. And, and, mm. and it was funny, I was telling a friend of mine this and he started laughing at me and he's like, that's so not true. And I was like, I was like, wow, like, I don't know. There's just, there's, you know, everyone thinks sex is penetrative. Sex is sex. And it's like, there's such a spectrum of all of these other amazing things that you can do that are sex and included in that. And it doesn't have to be this one way all the time. And I just feel like there's so much to explore out there. Actually, I supported this amazing book, um, Kickstarter, um, about um, kinky sexual positions with your partner. Mm -hmm. And it was such a great book. I read it and had these amazing illustrations. And it's like, there's so many things in this book that I've never heard of before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to, <laughs> I need to like mm -hmm. up my sexual game and be practicing these things with people. And so I just feel like the more we can educate ourselves, the more we can enjoy this amazing, these amazing moments. What would you say to, or, or what, what's some kind of um, words of wisdom you have around that mental space that I was just talking about of being mm -hmm. with somebody, but not being able to let go mentally? Because I've heard before that the, the biggest sex organ for a woman, I'm not sure if this is true for men, is um, their brain. And I know that is certainly true for me. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, you know, w what would you say to that, to someone who's like struggling with that space of being in their head? Yeah. And also, I just want to say that like, that is true for all humans. I think that I do work with predominantly femme-centered individuals and women, but for men, like if you are in your head and you can't relax, you will not have an erection penis owners, I will say, you will not have an erection, right? And there is a lot of pressure to perform and that does happen to everybody. So one of the biggest um, philosophies I have around sexuality is that sex is 20% physical and it's 80% emotional, spiritual, and psychological. So meaning it's not really even about your physical body. Your body gives you 20%, but everything else is how are you feeling in the moment? what are you thinking about? And where is like, where is your spirit? You know what I mean? Even if it's a one night stand, you can still have great sex on a one night stand, right? Yes. You don't have to have like this crazy attachment, but there does, there, those components need to be available, right? In, mm -hmm. in some capacity. And I think it's a very layered question. So I, I don't think I'll be able to peel all the layers off right sure, now. So no worries. I'll just give like a very surface level answer. The first question is how connected are you to yourself, right? And how much do you allow yourself to be in the present moment? I don't know what the statistics are, 
But I know that there is a very small percentage of humans in this world that have mastered the art of being present. We are constantly thinking about what's happening in the next five minutes and what happened five minutes ago. Oh, five minutes ago really sucked this year, right? Like everyone's like 2020 sucked, right? They're like sucked into like this like past, like whatever. Okay, but what's going on this moment? How are you feeling now, right? And gratitude is really the component of that. So one of the things I practice with my clients is when you feel like you're not present, start to express gratitude. So for example, I had a client who couldn't orgasm. I had a client who couldn't orgasm, and but she experienced little spurts of pleasure. So I said, whenever you have those little spurts of pleasure, I want you to tell yourself, I'm so grateful that I'm experiencing this pleasure, even if it's just a second. And what she noticed is she was bringing herself into the present moment and actually thinking about how she felt in that moment. Mm -hmm. So expressing gratitude for what's happening, making sure that you are connected with yourself and also being honest with yourself and your partner. If you don't fucking feel like having sex, then fucking don't have sex. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm not in the mood. Sorry. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I'm not in the mood. I'm sorry. Like sometimes I also, another, another great way to navigate that is I'm not in the mood for penetrative sex, but like, I'm so down to give you a blowjob or like, I'm not down for any kind of sex, but like, like you do you. And like, I'm just going to go, like, I'm going to step out or like, let's watch porn together. Like there's different ways, you know, that you can have mm-hmm. sexy time that doesn't necessarily are, like you said, is revolved around like penetrative sex or like one type of sex. Right. Okay. I'm derailing a little bit. So <laughs> So sorry. So being present in in the present moment and expressing gratitude. Another part of that is also being intentional about the person, the people that you sleep with. We get sold this idea of like, we're walking down the street and our books fall and someone helps us pick up the books and we make eye contact and we fall in love and it's beautiful and the sex is always great. Like, no, honey, it doesn't work that way. Being intentional, right? How comfortable do you feel with this person? Do you feel like you can talk to them? Um, Are they open and honest? Are you open and honest with them, right? What is the level of comfort that you feel in your body when you're around them? If you're always high strung and and anxious, people tend to confuse that for like, I'm in love. Actually, feeling anxious around someone is an indicator that you are unsafe. That's literally your flight or fight response. So if you feel calm and collected and secure around this person, then that is your body telling you that they feel safe, that like you feel good, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, if there's trauma involved, it doesn't matter who the person is that could always be present. And that goes back to being in the present moment. But the person you're sleeping with does have a big factor in why you feel the way that you feel. So for folks that are experiencing that, I would definitely just say practice being present through like mindfulness and meditation and yoga. Yoga is also a really great way to do that. Mm -hmm. Start to express gratitude and really be more intentional about the individuals that you decide to sleep with. Yep. That's really great advice. <laughs> I remember um, to cope with something at uh, one, one point in my life, I thought it was a great idea to just go and sleep with a bunch of people. And <laughs> it didn't help at all. Actually, it didn't help at all. It made it way worse. And and then once I started being more intentional and I was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> Picking like really nice people. For me, it's an energetic thing the right energy. Cause it's like, um, you know, if you're someone with a vagina, someone's physically inside of you, if you're having penetrative sex. So it's a very vulnerable space to be. Yes. And I think that people who don't have vaginas really will never know what that feels like. 
mm-hmm. and it's you know it's an amazing feeling but it's also incredibly vulnerable and I don't know so having that right energy is is really really important I think mm-hmm. I, I, I always have this yeah I, you know when I think about that I'm like wow someone's like literally inside your body you know, <laughs> when, know. Uh, unless you're like holding somebody else's hand like that that's the kind of I guess the closest other thing I don't know. Their tongue is in your mouth. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's also like a body part that you don't just show, like you don't just go around showing people your vagina, you know what I mean? Like you're naked in front of them and your legs are spread wide open and they are literally going inside you if you're having penetrative sex. And that is a very vulnerable thing to do. Mm -hmm. Penetrative or not penetrative. Sex is just a vulnerable experience period. Mm -hmm. Which is what makes it so amazing. I yeah, think. so beautiful. And also why individuals can feel a lot of fear around that. Yes, yes. Yeah. It can be, like you said, uh, there can be just layers and layers of kind of exploration and growth, I think, in that area. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what if we're in the situation where we would love to learn more about sex and our own sexuality? I mean, obviously we're responsible for ourselves, but let's say we have a partner that may not be so open to these kinds of discussions. Is there um, a certain way that we can kind of broach these conversations with them or open up discussions? Uh, do you have any um, advice in that area? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that would love to start this conversation, but it, like, like we were just saying, it's a very vulnerable space and, and it's, you know, there's a lot of fear around it. <laughs> I think it depends definitely on the type of relationship that it is. Um, Obviously, if you've been with the person for 30 years and you're like, holy shit, we need to change something. That's going to be approached a little differently than if like you just started dating someone like last month, you know? Mm -hmm. But in order to approach this, when we're dating people and when we're in romantic relationships, there are layers of compatibility that we look for, right? We look for, are we financially compatible? Are we intellectually compatible? Are we emotionally compatible? Do we have things in common? You know, do you, do you get along with my family, right? We look for all these compatibilities, but for some reason we tend to forget that sex is also a component of compatibility. And then we get stuck in these relationships where we're like, everything's great, except the sex isn't good. And so it's really important to be intentional about your sexual compatibility things can be great and you can just not be sexually compatible. And that is a thing. And that does happen, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I'm kinky and you're not, like it's not going to work unless you're open to opening the relationship or unless you're opening to exploring things. But if you're adamant about not being kinky and I'm adamant about being kinky, guess what? We're not sexually compatible. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a really important thing to ask yourself. On a scale of one to five, how important is sexual compatibility to me? One being I could care less and five being very important. If you find yourself answering four or five, then I would say it is definitely time to do something about it, right? Whether it be if you're single, start to ask the important questions before getting in the bedroom and before getting naked. Start to ask the important questions. What type of sex do you like to have? What's your kink? Um, what's your favorite thing to do in the bedroom? Do you enjoy going down on people? Do you like, what is your, what are your boundaries? What are your no-nos? So that you can kind of get a feel for like where they at, right? Mm -hmm. If you are with someone long-term and you're at a five and the the compatibility isn't there and you don't feel comfortable enough approaching that relation, that conversation, 
this is why sex coaches and sex therapists exist. We're here to support you to navigate these conversations and these issues. So if this is something that really causes you a lot of anxiety and you don't feel comfortable approaching your partner, suggest a professional to come and help you, right? Mm-hmm. And if that for some reason is not an option for you, a really great practice to start getting your feelings out there is writing your partner a letter. You don't have to give your partner the letter, but you can just write out everything that you feel and everything that you would want to say in this letter, just so you can kind of get a lot of that, you know, those feelings out. And then what you're going to notice is you're going to experience a release because you've already processed it. And hopefully that will make it easier for you to actually approach the conversation. Mm-hmm. When you approach the conversation using I statements, making sure that both of you are in a good mood, being in a space where both of you can be fully present and asking a lot of open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be angry. You don't want to start finger pointing, right? You don't want to be watching TV where they could be distracted. Mm-hmm. You always want to say, Hey, my love, I've been feeling X, Y, and Z about our sex life. And this is how I feel when we approach X, Y, and Z this way. I'm curious to know, do you feel the same way? And if so, like, how can we work on this together? Because I love you and I want us to have a great sex life. Mm-hmm. See how it's centered around me. I'm calm. We're chilling. That's how you're going to get the best response out of your partner. All right. And I think also as well, if someone's not kind of ready to have that conversation, they might take some, some time because even that might, even though that is very, um, what's the word, nonviolent and very uh, approachable, uh, easy to digest. Sometimes it's not always easy for someone because sex, like I said, sex is such an emotionally vulnerable space as well. So they might not be able to, you know, accept it. So if they do take, need to take a minute, what's your advice there? If they're like, whoa, hang on, I just wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are you saying like the person who's approaching or the person who is being approached? Yeah. So if the, well, both really, if the, if the person, um, if I was more doing it from the person who is approaching and then they say something and I, I mean, I, I know that it's happened before, not to me, but I, that people have gotten very defensive, you know, when it, like it's a vulnerable, uh, situation, you know, a lot of defenses come up, even though all of those things that you said, like the, the great space, the, the present. Yeah. How do we, how do we cope with that? Because I feel like um, that could happen. Mm-hmm. I stand very strong with this belief. Mm-hmm. If you can't talk about sex with the person you're having sex with, then you probably shouldn't be having sex with them. I stand very strong to that belief because if you cannot communicate about sex with the person that you are intimate with, you will never be happy having sex with them. Because the number one sex tip that I have is communication. Mm -hmm. It's open and honest communication. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to accept that this conversation is going to be a hard one. To accept that emotions will come up. To accept that it probably will not come out the way that you want it to. But it's always best to confront these issues head on with an open and honest heart than to stay in limbo and in the what ifs and just decide not to bring it up at all. Mm -hmm. Because no decision is the worst decision that you can make. Yes. No decision is a decision. Mm -hmm. Mm. So that's what I would say. Also write that letter, write that letter. If even if you are maybe like, if you write that letter and then you decide you approach your partner three months later, that letter is already going to be a healing experience for you. 
because I'm willing to bet that if you got into a point where you are so afraid to talk about this with your partner, you're probably hurting. There's some, there's some pain going on and that needs to be released and it needs to be processed either with Mm -hmm. a professional or through journaling, letter writing, something that allows you to just release whatever is in your mind and in your heart. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I feel like that's really good advice. Super, (laughs) super helpful. So um, just before we wrap up, um, actually, this is kind of a huge thing to tackle, but I wanted to mention, um, you talk a lot about body image and shame Mm -hmm. around body image. And I think this is a really big thing for a lot of people. And, you know, the way somebody views themselves can really affect their life, their self-talk, but also obviously their sex life. Would you be open to sharing some strategies around kind of taming this self-talk? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I also just want to start by saying that I also have had body image issues. I still struggle with body image issues because I live in the world. It's <laughs> yeah. just something that happens, right? Yeah. What has helped me and what I, what I work through with my clients is... One, accepting that you will never be in love with your body 100% of the time. Even if you're the the biggest, the baddest body positive influencer in the world, you will still have your moments and you will still have your days because you do live in this world and this world values a certain type of body image, body type, skin color, all of that, right? Mm -hmm. Those demons will come up. Mm -hmm. But it's about developing a relationship with your body that is rooted in intimacy with or without the presence of another person. Because oftentimes the only times we find ourselves naked is when we shower and when we're having sex. So to start your body image journey, and by the way, I'm coming out with a course for Valentine's day, um, which I'm really excited about. So, cause some, you know, it is a very challenging thing to really tackle But a couple of things that you can do to start is there's this lotion activity that I love to recommend that I do sometimes too. You get a little bit of lotion, you put it on your hands. After you shower, you look at yourself naked in the mirror and you put the lotion on the parts of your body that maybe you don't have a great relationship with. Because it's one thing to look at your body and it's another thing to touch your body. And just start rubbing the lotion on those areas, whether it be your tummy, your butt, your breasts, your arms, whatever it may be, the body part that maybe you're like not totally in love with. And just start to say kind things to that body part. If you can't think of anything kind to say, start to express gratitude. Thank you for digesting my food. Thank you for allowing me to breastfeed my children. Thank you for allowing me to lift heavy boxes. Thank you for allowing me to see the world, like whatever body part of me be expressing some gratitude. Second thing, write a really open and honest letter to your body. I'm really big on letter writing because I feel like so much healing can happen through that. Mm -hmm. Write a letter to your body. Say, dear body, I fucking hate you. And I've hated you for a long ass time. And it hurts to hate you. And I don't want to hate you anymore. (laughs) And I'm really going to work on shifting that into love and just being honest. You know, this isn't some foo-foo like, oh my God, I love my, like, no, it's, it's hard work. It, mm-hmm. It's it's very layered. So being honest about that. And the last thing is spend time naked alone. Spend time naked alone. Not just when you're showering, not just when you're having sex with someone, but sleep in the nude, walk around your room in the nude for an hour a day, you know, like, do your homework in the nude. 
get comfortable being naked because that's how can you love something or somebody that you don't know? And in order for you to develop love for yourself, it's important for you to get to know yourself first. Justin, thank you so much for being here. This has been been so great. I feel like there's so many nuggets of gold in this conversation. And I feel like this is going to, you know, if somebody's listening to this and they find themselves in any of these positions, then they have a lot of ammo to tackle a situation. So thank you so much. Um, If people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah. So my website is www.jocelynsilva.com. So if you would like to work with me one-on-one, you can apply through my website. I also have an emailing list, which you can sign up there. I send like tons of awesome content, sex tips, articles, blogs. Um, Like I said, I'm also coming out with the body image and self-love course for Valentine's Day. So when you sign up for my emailing list, you will get the information for that as well. Also, I have a TikTok where I have a bunch of like fun information. It's at sex coach Jocelyn, uh, a three instead of the E in the sex. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And you can find all the links mentioned in this episode at rebellove.com forward slash EP17. That's rebellove.com forward slash EP17. Thank you again for being here and enjoy your lovely evening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was awesome. For listening to the Rebel Love Podcast, the podcast about love, sex, relationships, and money. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. And find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>